When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to All Steelers Talk, your home for everything Pittsburgh Steelers, presented by AllSteelers.com. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined every Friday by my main man, Derek Bell. Find us on YouTube.com slash Talk or anywhere you get your podcasts. And today, well, it's a busy first week here for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Matt Canada is still in the building. Minka Fitzpatrick is a first-team All-Pro. Deontay Johnson exploded Twitter for 72 hours for absolutely nothing. And we still got to recap the 2022 season. It's uh, it's snowing outside. It was gloomy earlier. Let's just say Pittsburgh stinks right now, but it is what it is. Andrew McCutcheon is back in town. How you feeling, my friend? Yeah, how about how about Kutch, man? That's pretty cool. Um, obviously, I'm not a I'm not a very uh very big baseball guy because I have uh. I have my time already constraints as it yeah. is with the football stuff, but uh, I uh, I think that's pretty cool. I think Kutch will come back, gets to come back home like later in his career, get a good send off from the Berg. I think that's awesome. And yeah, um, I'm all about Kutch. You know, I, I, it's I think it's a good story, and Kutch I think had a pretty solid season uh, last year, at least through stretches. So I don't know. I'm definitely going to try to make it to another Pirates game when we went. Uh, the last time I was up for training camp, that was a lot of fun. So uh, my wife really enjoyed it. My daughter enjoyed it. So I definitely want to try to get up to PNC. PNC, if you guys haven't ever been, is it's beautiful. I mean, it is an absolutely beautiful uh, ballpark, man. I've only been to a, been to a couple, um, but man, that's that's got to be one of the best. It's it's awesome there. Yeah, but PNC is that that view is unmatched. It's the sure. if they didn't like that's why like you could say whatever you want about the Pirates. You'll never go to a Pirates game and it's going to be just completely empty because I don't care who they're playing. I don't even care if I have to watch baseball. I get to see that view. So it's it's definitely worth it. Yeah, Kutch coming back is cool. He's like 34 years old. So, you know, you could get as excited as you want about 34 year old. But I think it's cool. Like the Pirates stink. So at least we have somebody to watch and cheer on some news that makes people smile. It's got to feel uh got to feel pretty good. Speaking about news that made people smile, the Pittsburgh Steelers have done literally none of that. This week, it has been pure chaos in a week that has simply been extremely quiet. I think too quiet. And that is what stirred the pot. Um, Before we jump into anything, your thoughts on Deontay Johnson's nonsense. And by nonsense, I mean the Twitter accounts that stirred Deontay Johnson's pointless tweet into complete nonsense. Um, And then we'll get into some Canada talk. Yeah, I... uh... I, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. When I when I woke up and saw the the Deontay Johnson stuff, it just always cracks me up because I I feel like we should be better at this by now. But 
Um, in case you guys don't know, like wide receivers are just kind of different cats, man. It's just like what they, they are. just they, they they like to be different than everybody else, and those cryptic tweets um, oftentimes don't mean anything. So I just it's funny to me because just knowing um, knowing how Deontay does his social media stuff, and then like having talked to him before, um, I just know that he the perception around Deontay Johnson is funny to me. I think that. Deontay is like the anti-diva receiver. But if you look on Twitter, every time he tweets something, it's like people are trying to make out every single thing about what he could potentially be uh, meaning. It's just so funny. <laughs> he, uh, so the funniest part about it is like you see people that'll be like, Deontay Johnson's a head case. You know, the Steelers got got to get rid of him. He's a head just case. so the opposite. I'm like, of dude, I have never in my life met a wide receiver and i've been i've been in the side of locker room for four years now i have never once talked to a wide receiver that is less of a head case than deontay johnson the dude is he is as professional as professional gets in every situation he's quiet he takes responsibility when need be sometimes he just tweets like a wide receiver and people lose their mind about it but it was hilarious we actually uh we got something big dropping for you on monday and i asked what was big I, I we talked about Deontay Johnson and he, he had a good laugh about it and he just said sometimes you just got to know Deontay and that wide receivers like you said they're just different cats they are not they are not just the same if it was Ben Roethlisberger that tweeted that out okay like you know maybe we could talk about it a little bit but Deontay Johnson like what are we doing what are we doing here ridiculous all right the other news that came in this week is that there has been no news it is extremely quiet when it comes to the offensive coordinator Matt Canada is still in the building according to Mark Caboli he was there as late as today that doesn't mean that he was there for a specific reason we don't know why Ray Fittipaldo said on the on the fan yesterday that there's still an 80 percent chance that the Steelers move on from Matt Canada it's Friday we are a day after it took the Steelers four days to move on from Randy Feekner two years ago. We are now on day five of Matt Canada watch. What do you, what do you, what do you make of this? What are you feeling? Do you think that we've hit the time where maybe Matt Canada is coming back? Yeah, kind of. It kind of makes me wonder if we're gonna get like a Friday afternoon like news drop. You know, the atypical oh, media right saying like, it's gonna yeah, be right, right in the middle of this, right in the middle of this, or you know, three thirty p.m. or something like that, Eastern time, where they can get it out and you know not have to answer any questions until like Monday or something. But um, no, I mean, I, I kind of figured when the when the Steelers' offense you know played a lot better for a number of different reasons over the second half of the season, I figured that this decision wasn't going to be as cut and dry as maybe it seemed like um, during the first half of the season. So um, I don't really know what to think. Uh, there's there's a reason that I haven't really discussed it as much on Twitter. It's just because um, while it is a big decision, it's just I'm in like really wait and see mode. Um, a lot of people I, I've given my thoughts on some offensive coordinators and things like that. But until it happens, until the position's open and we know that he's not going to be back. I mean, I just, it's kind of futile conversation because yeah. Like what are you going to um, do? Yeah. The, the only one, the one thing I will say that I don't know, I can see both sides of the argument um, with Canada considering Kenny, you know, played solid football down the stretch. I think people are saying, you know, well, you can't interrupt, you know, Kenny's development by putting a new offensive coordinator in. Um, I think you got to be careful with that because I do see the, I do see that side of the coin in terms of like you're seeing development, 
Um, they did play better down the stretch. And I definitely want to give credit to Canada for being a part of that success. Yeah. Um, but the goal isn't to be a decent, like a, a solid offense. The goal is to win a Super Bowl. And I think that <laughs> that should be in the back of everybody's minds. Um, yes, you want Kenny to develop. But um, I think you really have to ask yourself at the end of the evaluation, like, is this the guy that we think can take the offense to the next level and be a top 10 offense to make us into Super Bowl contenders? And I'm not saying that's going to be next year, uh, might be the year after, but the Steelers plan is to get back in the playoffs. And you look around at the other AFC teams, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, like the big name quarterbacks, um, you know, Joe Burrow, like, yeah. You're gonna have to score points with those guys. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll we'll see. I, I'm I'm I would obviously uh, still prefer for them to go a different direction, but um, I, I'm not 100 sure that's going to be the case. I I laugh because you said it so calmly that the goal is to win a Super Bowl, but it just doesn't it just doesn't feel like that. Like it just d- feels like it's that's not the step. I think that there's um it's very it's very tricky for me to express my feelings on that because um, like, for example, I gave Tomlin a ton of credit over the second half of the season for writing the shit because this group looked dead in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do think Tomlin's a good coach. Like I think anyone saying otherwise, I think they're a little loony, um, but it's the same thing a little bit with like the Tomlin streak of 500, uh, like above 500 wreck or any record or whatever. Yeah. I just get, I get a little, it gives me a different type of feeling it looked cringy almost when we spend so much time talking about it because I, I just, I grew up in, you know, the late nineties, early two thousand like yeah, exactly. early two thousands. And, you know, in the two thousands, you know, they went to three AFC championship games in five years. And it's like, man, that it doesn't sit right with me that we focus, you know, even, even like off season fodder, which I would consider that now. Um, it just, I don't focus a lot of my energy towards that type of stuff. And I just want to make sure that we're still on the same page, man. And, and I know Tomlin, um, is very adamant about that. Like when he talks to the media, like his goal is to win, win Super Bowl. Yeah, like exactly. The record itself doesn't matter. I just, I want to make sure that the fan base understands that too. Like, um, don't get complacent. And that's that's the thing with Canada. Um, I, I think you're settling a little bit. I think it's the cautious approach. Um, if you run it back, but we'll see. I mean, um, all decisions have um consequences. So and like, hope. what's the? I I I don't get that argument because what is the fallback to that you get one more year like the the argument is you don't want to blow it up because you don't want to take the risk with kenny well what do you what what happens if it doesn't work then you're going to take the risk in 2024 like there's always going to be risk though i mean that's what i'm saying like what is the like when you're weighing the risk factor isn't it just as big of a risk to say well then we're going to blow it up in 2024 over oh okay well they clicked for five games at the end of the season maybe we should keep Matt Canada around. Like, no, just bring somebody else in, pull the Band-Aid off. If it doesn't work, then, you know, at that point, you could say that you messed up and maybe you should have kept Canada. Or you could say, well, maybe Kenny Pickett isn't as good as we thought he was going to be because he can't adjust to a new offensive coordinator. Either way, you don't not blow it up because you're worried that Kenny Pickett might take a step back. If Kenny Pickett takes a step back with a better offensive coordinator, I mean, that one's on Kenny Pickett. That's not on. on yeah, anybody. I mean, I think you got to trust your process. 
Exactly. And that's the thing. Uh, if if they if their process deems that they think they want to run it back with him, that's fine. I'm not really sure that um, I agree, but um, I just know like when I look at the numbers, man. Like even over the second half of the season, where they were like you know a top ten, top fifteen type of offense. Um, there's just a lot of unstable variables there, you know. And I, I look at, um, for example, I look at the overall health of the offense and the team in general. Oh, yeah. um, the, the Steelers were incredibly healthy this season, mm-hmm. aside from you know, obviously TJ Watt a huge loss missing him for like half the year. Uh, but you look at their offensive line; all five starters started every game. That's yep. not normal. So like the, um, you know, Deontay Johnson played every game. George Pickens played every game. Um, you know, they had some like switching quarterbacks and things like that. Um, there's, there's a lot of different variables there that I'm not sure they're going to have the luxury of next year. When I, when I just look at the totality of the work um, over the course of the season, yes, they finished trending upward, but they were still 23rd in points per drive, 17th yep. in yards per drive. i look at the AFC and uh, you, you know, can't do that. I, I just, I, I don't, I don't think it's enough. And I, I'm just, yeah. I'm just very focused on, um, you know, continuing to give Kenny the best shot, um, you know, to develop into a franchise type quarterback that's going to be able to compete with other these other elite guys in the AFC. Uh, yep. That's that's my focus. So. That's how, that has to be your focus. Like you can't you can't get into a situation where you fought all year. Your game plan was to win with a very mild offense, and then find yourself in an AFC Championship game against Patrick Mahomes and say, "Well, our defense probably isn't going to work as well this time." But good thing we have no ability to, you know go into a shootout and actually win just just doesn't seem to just doesn't seem to be an option uh phantom just kind of a little bit off topic uh i can went back to school so you'll have to wait until next year to see him <laughs> unfortunate uh unfortunate. yeah i don't know Ohio state they might be getting uh might be getting a little crazy over there man cj stroud still hasn't declared and the deadline's monday so i don't know if they're cj just, stroud but... is not declared for the draft Mm-mm. either is jordan addison no jordan addison did did he did he declare today? Okay, I no, a while ago he declared a while ago. No, he hadn't as of like Wednesday. No, I wrote the article that he did. I, I remember so. he did. Let's Google it. I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, Jordan Reed, notable underclassmen prospects, have yet to officially declare. Stroud, Addison, Quentin Johnston, Latu, Latu. Yeah, Where the deadline. That? The deadline's on Monday. I'll see you the tweet right now. Steelers now. Former Pitt declares for the NFL draft. This was from Rappaport that said that he did. When when was that? Um, this is December twenty second. Yeah, I saw I saw Dane the Dane Dane Brugler um, from the Athletic was talking about how Addison hadn't declared either. So it's interesting. Huh. I wonder. I wonder what the stat. Like, I wonder if we could find a list that has yeah. everybody on it. I don't know. Yeah, Eichenberg going back to school was a little bit surprising to me. I think this is a really weak. Um, I'm not really a fan of this inside linebacker class. So I, I thought that Eichenberg had a chance to come out and be a day two pick um, in a kind of underwhelming class. So I was that's, a little bit surprised that he went back. That's a that's a good turning point here. So you've we we've cracked open the offseason. You have gone full force into the NFL draft, which is huge. You know, very excited for it. draft season is the best season besides playoff season if you're in it. You started dropping scouting reports on the site, allsteelers.com. I think you're like, I think we're three deep as of now. We'll drop one on Monday. Um, You have like seven or eight of them that I've read through already. All of them phenomenal. If you guys have not checked them out. Um, You're watching through tape. Jordan Addison was one of them. 
not a lot of like a lot of big name guys, but I think a lot of big name guys that like somebody like me wouldn't necessarily know, you know, like, like I'm not real deep into the draft stuff yet. So I'm reading these guys and I'm like, I don't really know who this is. And then I'll be like, Oh, okay. They're pretty good. Who is uh who stand out? Who stood out the most to you so far? I think you're like a couple of weeks in. Um, yeah, the, the, the finalizing of reports is always really fun. I, I don't write up everybody, but I do write up, um, I'm going to try to write up guys that like, you know, are going to be relevant for you guys or, you know, guys that really stand out to me in a certain way, good or bad. And uh, I would just say like the the main guy that I really probably have enjoyed watching the most has been BJ Ojolari from LSU. Um, yeah, I knew that was coming. Yeah, that that's that's <laughs> definitely that's definitely my guy, man. I, I really, really enjoy watching him play um, speed rusher. He's like, you know, six, two, six, three, 245 pounds um the intangibles are off the charts like that's definitely something that i think gets overlooked a lot of times when depending on who you listen to for draft stuff but the intangibles get not um you know kind of left off the scouting report sometimes but his are off the charts i mean this is a guy who is named team captain he was given the number 18 jersey by lsu which is a big deal over there um pass rushing skill set is just off the charts he has a number of different moves he relies heavily on that ghost move you got you know chop cross chop you know dip rip everything counter moves i really enjoy watching him play there's some stuff he's got to clean up um but i think that he's a ready-made pass rusher in year one and if he gets um if he gets some a little bit more weight on him a little stronger especially you know in his upper body i think he's going to be able to be a competent run defender He's definitely somebody I'd bang the table for. Um, he's one of the, my favorite players that I've that I've watched so far. Do you uh, do you watch anybody like? Do you, so you obviously have a, your list, but when you're creating that list, do you ever hit guys that you're just like, all right, I just watched the film. This guy stinks. I probably yeah. shouldn't mention. It's maybe not like that. I don't know. I'm sure I have had that response, but there are guys that like I'll watch. And I'll be like, man, I just don't see it. <laughs> and and that's that's sometimes a little concerning. I think uh, normally for me, my process is I gotta watch um, I gotta watch three games of a prospect before I can really like feel comfortable in my own evaluation of them. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't take that long because either I might be more familiar with watching a player just live on Saturday and I can already get a feel for like what he's what he's gonna be. Um, but you know sometimes that's usually times where I have to watch more games too. Like if I get three games in, I'm like, man, I don't, I don't see what everybody else is seeing there. I might try to go find a a film against a good, uh, a good, good bit of competition or a big matchup with an opposing team's player and try to figure out like maybe what I'm missing. But I definitely, you know, you got to trust your own eyes. I mean, that's, that's the thing about the the process. You got to kind of see for yourself and trust your process. Yeah. I'm uh, very excited to get down to mobile. That's when my draft eyes kind of hit. Before then, I'm just like a lost puppy. I'm running around. I'm trying to find out guys that I've missed all season because I'm not a big college football guy. I've never been a big college football guy. Like, I, I pay attention to the games I gamble on. I pay attention to the big games, you know, but like, I'm not like sitting around watching college football. During football yeah. season, it's tough, you know, like my free time, I'm sleeping or preparing to sleep. You know, yeah. there's not really, there's not really much yeah, it's time a, for anybody it's, else. It's a grind during football season for you guys, especially. And I, um, another guy that really has stood out to me is, uh, I just finished up doing his report yesterday's, uh, Tennessee's Darnell Wright. Yeah. I saw um, that. Six, five, three, 
like 6'5", 340, just a massive human being. Um, he was a really fun film watch. I mean, obviously an incredibly powerful player who's got some, you know, a ton of experience. He played like 2,500 snaps at Tennessee. Um, most of those being at right tackle. He's got experience going up against high-level competition. Uh, we talked about on the draft show this week, matchups really matter for me, especially for like pass rushers and um, offensive linemen. Um, and, you know, Darnell Wright, man, he, he he basically shut out Will Anderson. I mean, he he won the vast majority of their reps when they faced off against each other this year. Um, he had a really good game against Ojolari, who I just said that I really liked. So mm-hmm. um, I, I really like Darnell Wright, incredibly refined technician. He has that snatch trap move that's just devastating. I love the way he finishes. He's going to be down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. So the Steelers and, you know, everybody else is going to get a really good um, look at him down there. And I think that he's going to be somebody that rises through the process, um, even though I don't think he's, you know, this incredible athlete. He's more just kind of big um, more than yeah, anything. Huge. But he does he does uh, redirect pretty well. He has some recoverability, which is not normal for um, guys that size. So he's definitely probably the best or the most kind of maybe surprising offensive player that I've watched that I kind of just went into that evaluation thinking that, you know, he's pretty good, but I have some reservations about um, offensive linemen that don't have a lot of like, or don't have like plus movement skills, knowing yeah. how crazy athletic the edge position is in the NFL. But after watching his tape, you know, especially against some really high level competition, I came away thinking like, I think this dude's going to be fine. And he's, he's, he's done it against, you know, really high level athletes already in the SEC and, um, that kind of speaks for itself. So yeah, no doubt, no doubt. If you if the draft happened today, you still sold on an offensive lineman in the first round. Uh, I don't know. I I only have two guys as of right now that I think for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, will be going round one. We had like nine offensive linemen going the first round last year. That's not going to happen this year. No, like the, the, the offensive line offense, class is not great. Yeah, it's. It's really like average at best, in my opinion. I think Peter uh, Peter Skaronsky, um, the tackle who, you know, I think most teams are probably going to view as a guard at the next level from Northwestern. He's definitely yeah. going to be a lock for first-round consideration. Uh, Paris Johnson from Ohio State, he's going to be a lock for round one. Then you've kind of got like, you know, just kind of a myriad of other guys that are going to play themselves into that conversation, some of which I haven't finalized scouting yet. Uh Dwight Jones, Paris Johnson's teammate at Ohio State. Um, Broderick Jones, left tackle from Georgia. He's a guy that I'm really excited about watching. Told you yeah. guys I just finished watching Darnell Wright. Um, the interior class, like there's not a good center in this class. So I don't even know if there's going to be a center taken in the top 75 picks. Um, and then really probably the best guard, um, at least that I've seen that I saw live this year was probably Osiris Torrance from Florida. Yeah. He's another like massive human being. He went to um, Louisiana Lafayette, which is where Kevin Dotson was from, but he transferred to Florida this year um, and he dominated in the SEC. Like he went from dominant where he was at and then dominated the SEC. Um, <laughs> just a massive human being, really strong, powerful um, guy who really fits into like a gap running system. So um but yeah, I, I don't know. I think we're going to get a lot of day two linemen. Um, I'm sure that we'll get probably four, maybe five offensive linemen taken in round one, but it's not like it was last year. Yeah. So, What about the other side of the ball? How early you, because you did a couple of nose tackles, a couple of defensive tackles. I don't know if yeah. they're true nose tackles. Would you take a defensive yeah, tackle Mazi, in the first round? Yeah, my, 
I, I I wouldn't. There there's not that guy in this class. There's not like a Dexter Lawrence or anybody yeah. like that in this class. Um, First pick two, in the second round. I think it gets interesting. I, I want to watch. Um, Siaka Ika was a guy that um I watched a lot of last cycle. Like he kept flashing for me. Um, he started at LSU, and I've been familiar with him for a long time. I want to see how his tape is because there seems to be a lot of mixed opinions on his tape from this year. Um, and then Mozzie Smith was a guy that I really wanted to get to because he flashed for me when watching Michigan this um, this season. So, um, you know, Mozzie Smith, speaking of just him, I think he's going to be like a midday two pick. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Feldman's freak list. He was the number one player on that list. Um, 33 inch vertical, um, just one of the most disruptive run defenders um, in the power five. I mean, I think he was like fourth or fifth in run stops or something like that. Um, Really good athlete, can move laterally, can get vertical, um, is developing a pass rush plan. Uh, I tell you what, like I said, that matchups really matter to me. Like Ohio State has four, probably all five of their offensive linemen that are going to be in the NFL at some point, all of which will probably get drafted. And Mozzie Smith, they had no answer for him. I mean, he was <laughs> on fire. I mean, yeah. it, it was, he was beating the hell out of everybody. So, um, I definitely, definitely am intrigued by him. Um, I don't know where he's going to go, but I, if I had to guess, he'll probably go in that like 50 to 75 range. 50 to 75 not, isn't bad for a guy to play next to Cam Hayward and DeMarvin Leal. Not not upset about that one at all. Uh, last draft question here. Who's the best corner in the class? I think it's Ringo. Do you think Joey Porter is a strong number two? Do you think Joey Porter is um, a real option at pick 17? He is literally like you know how two years ago it was it was just it was just Najee Harris the Steelers had nobody else that Steelers yeah. picking anybody else last year it was just Malik Willis it was only Malik Willis do you think this year it's this year it's only Joey Porter do you think he's going to be there and do you think he's worth it I I actually haven't been able to um, I haven't been able to get film on Joey Porter so like that's that's been the most disappointing thing for me I've watched um, I finished up watching Christian Gonzalez from Oregon um i've watched a good amount of uh clark phillips i've watched ringo all season long yeah, um, dude's a monster. I, I don't i don't think that he's gonna end up being the highest graded corner for me you think um, it's gonna be joey i'm not really sure it's really close for right now i think you i think lean, it's gonna be christian i think i lean gonzalez right now Ooh. um but corners I, this is why i don't like lists and I, i'm gonna do a big board and, and I'll do cornerback rankings for you guys too, but um, I just lists sometimes get, uh, they lose context. And what I mean by that is like receivers um, and corners, like they're very, you know, scheme or what are you asking them to do within the context of your team? And I yeah. think like there's corners that I like in certain schemes more than others. So it's hard to stack those up, but uh, Joey Porter Jr. For what I saw live this season, I liked what I saw. It's just watching corners on a live broadcast is yeah, it's totally futile. different. So yeah, what are you watching? Um, but I, I do want to say, I do want to say with Porter, um, he cut down the penalties this year. That was the main yeah. thing last year when I watched his film. I really, really was strong in the opinion that like he needed to go back to school. I didn't think that he was ready, even if it was going to make him an older prospect by the time he came out this season. Um. He's a real physical player, but I thought at times he was just really, really grabby, man. And that's making that transition to the next level when you're grabby. You can get away with more contact down the field 
um, in college than you can in the NFL level. You know, you can't touch these receivers past five yards now um, in the NFL without being a flag magnet. And I thought that that was going to be Porter if he came out. I want to say that he reduced his penalties to like three this season. So oh, that's perfect, pretty good. perfectly fine, especially for a player um, of his caliber. So definitely um, I'm intrigued as soon as I get film on him. Uh, the only game that I've watched all 22 wise this year was um, Ohio State and he played really well. I just I need more to go yeah, off of than what I've got. Game. So yeah. Um, the guy that I'm watching this weekend, um, and I'll have a report up on or finish will be uh Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. That's what oh. I'm finishing this weekend. So he had an incredible season. He uh pretty sure he led the NCAA in pass deflections, really good ball skills, and played at Illinois where they play like man coverage like 80% of the time. And the Steelers, you know, with how much man coverage they played last year, um, I think there could be a natural fit there. For uh, We know about Terrell Austin and how much he really, really uh, prioritizes, you know, turning the football over. So I do think that he's going to be a guy that um, maybe a lot of people aren't talking about in terms of, like, the Steelers yet. Um, but I think he's going to make a lot of sense. I'm excited to finalize his report this weekend. All right, well, I'm excited to read it. Uh, yeah, I'll, these these are dropping at least three times a week moving forward. Check them out, allsteelers.com. They're in the NFL Draft tab. Uh, great stuff. Speaking of the defensive side of the ball, Cam Hayward, and there's a lot of people in the chat. You got you got people start up about, I don't know how it happened, but somehow you were talking about Joey Porter Jr., and people were like, well, Cam Hayward retires. I think they should bring in Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. Probably <laughs> just go get everybody and anybody. Um, I'm joking, obviously. High Smith has entered the chat somehow, somewhere. I want to talk about Cam Hayward because he wasn't selected to the Pro Bowl. Though he was, but as an alternative, that doesn't count. He wasn't selected to the NFLPA's All-Pro team, and then he wasn't selected to the AP's All-Pro team. And then he had this to say about it. He dropped in, respect to those guys, but man, seems like a lot of goalposts move to make arguments these days. I guess back to the lab. I, I never expected Cam Hayward to take a shot. I, it wasn't a good shot. I got to give him that. It was a bad tweet. But for a he guy a who's little, up for he could be a little petty. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like he's he's allowed to be angry. He's allowed to be a little bit. He's just like, you know, I don't, I, it was like, it was a classic Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee, like petty tweet of just like, you know, like, hey, man, like I should have probably should have won that. But, you know, whatever. I respect everybody's opinion. Do you think that he deserved an all-pro selection? Do you think he deserved a pro ball? I, I I think with the way that Hayward finished the season, um, he certainly deserved to be in that conversation. It's kind of weird because the interior defensive line position as a whole this year just – it was really freaking good, which is kind of wild because Aaron Donald didn't really play. So, like, I'm sure that you guys noticed that he didn't have his normal spot on the first team uh, yeah. all pro list. But um, he was, you know, Chris Jones. I look, I, I looked at some of his numbers last night. Yeah, Chris Jones was nuts. Like, oh I compared God. all of them when I wrote the article about Cam's tweet. And I was just yeah. like, I didn't realize Chris Jones was just a monster <laughs> this year. It was it was absurd. I mean, how how freaking great he was this year i mean one of the best closers in football bar none um the should he have made it i think the two the two the two guys that i think that they got right was dexter lawrence and um and chris jones i I think that those two guys deserve to be on first second team like without a doubt 
Um, I do. Dexter Lawrence, huh? Yeah, dude. What Lawrence did this year, for one, for a Giants team that had no playoff um, odds or no playoff hopes, he was he was the man. And I, yeah. I really thought that what he's able to do, like from a nose tackle spot, you just don't see that type of pass rush productivity. That's true. That's very um, true. That's just very rare to get. And like he had a breakout season. I think he deserved that. Quentin Williams, you know, you look at what the Jets defense did this year. He is the he's the guy in their front yeah. seven. Um, so I thought he deserved that. I probably, and this is just me, I, I would have liked to have seen Hayward get it over um over Jeffrey Simmons. Yes. But there were other guys in that there were other guys in that conversation. Javon Hargrave, former Steeler, that I thought um made made some sense in that conversation too but it was loaded i think can ultimately i just think cam's really slow start really hurt them it really hurt him in the in the eyes of voters um i was hoping that you know with the way that he um finished the year that they that he, he would probably get some recognition especially since he is a bigger name but um i do have a cam hayward stat that i thought was um interesting just to show kind of his value i think a lot of people credited tj watt with the steelers second half turnaround on defense and that's perfectly fine it had that had a big uh big to do with um their turnaround but with the with cam hayward on the field uh this year the steelers epa per play was uh negative 0.16 and with him off the field um they were at 0.1 so basically what that means is with cam hayward on the field the Steelers were like the third or fourth best defense in football with cam hayward off the field they were like 21st or 22nd so that Jeez. type of that, that type of stuff gives a, you an idea of like his value. Yeah, that brings up a very good conversation though, because as we sit right here, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to walk into twenty twenty three with just Cam Hayward, like it's just Cam Hayward, and then Isaiah Loudermilk, Demarvin Leal, and I don't know, I, Montrevious Adams, I believe, is still under contract, or maybe a restricted free agent. Yeah, I think it was a one-year deal that he signed. I'm pretty yeah, sure. but you got to get somebody and somebody big. Like, there's no more. You can't waste time on the defensive line. You walk in there with that and just Cam Hayward, and you might as well have just done nothing because that's a huge need. Yeah, I uh, I definitely think it's going to be interesting to see what they do at the interior defensive line. Like, I, uh, I'm, I'm lukewarm on Ogan Joby. I don't, Same. I don't know. I don't think he comes back. And I, I don't just, know if you're signing him for much. Like you're not going to sign him another eight million dollar deal. Yeah, you can't do that. Like, no, he, he did not. He, he didn't he play didn't that play way. like that this season. Um, mm-hmm. and Joby, what's what is interesting? Um, he finished the year with his best game of the season, or like one of his best games as a pass rusher, uh, which was kind of interesting. He had eight pressures against Cleveland, um, but yeah, he was really quiet. I mean, over the course of the year, um, just not at probably as productive as you would need for a player that you're going to spend like 8 million of your cap on. Exactly. Um, I think some of that for sure was um, some of that definitely had to do with his health. I mean, he didn't practice all season. Like Dude, I mean, he literally how many didn't practice. Did he, practice? For, he didn't practice. He literally did not practice for five weeks in a row. Yeah. Like didn't I mean, touch the field one time and then would just walk into the game and be like, yeah, we're good to go, man. Yeah. Go. I, uh, so it is what it is. If the if the number's lower than like eight million, then um I don't have it's not that like I'm saying like you can't like you can't bring it back. He can't be the starter next to Cam. No, it's no, really I think just he a, could. Uh, but it, but it can't be anywhere near that like eight million dollar yeah, figure, especially given how um 
you know, just, I don't know if his body's going to hold up. You know, he had that, he had an injury that ended, you know, not this past season, but the year before with Cincinnati where he was kind of having that breakout um, year. And then he failed the physical after he got paid. So that's another reason why, like, he his failed physical took away a really big contract with Chicago last year. He had to settle for a one-year deal. I don't yep. know that his value, he helped his value very much. Is he still looking to get paid? There's a lot of different factors in there. Um, but, yeah, the Steelers – interior defensive line like because of Leal and just the uncertainty around him I think there's a lot of questions moving into um the offseason so I I think they're going to try to invest somewhere in free agency and not try to pigeonhole themselves for the draft um but it's gonna be interesting to see what they do for sure yeah I agree it's just it's such a big need and such an unspoken need like everybody is talking about all the other positions that the Steelers need to need to attack this offseason. You walk in there without a defensive line, you are you're done. Like you got nothing going for you if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially if you don't replace inside linebacker. If you walk in there with Robert Splain and Mark Robinson as your inside linebackers, and then Cam Hayward and Isaiah Loudermilk starting on the interior defensive line, you're pretty screwed if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. You just got significantly worse. I agree. I also agree that I think that he should have made the all pro team over Jeffrey Simmons. It just, the numbers just don't add up. And it's not like if you're going to go off of a storyline. Yeah. The the Steelers started really bad. They were a very boring football team until the end there. They were not as boring as the Titans. The Titans are <laughs> possibly the worst and most boring team in football. A hundred percent. Um, All right. Talked about Canada. Talked about Cam Hayward. I think we got to get new awards. I think it's awards time. We're uh. We're going to bring you guys some awards a little, a little different than the normal offensive player, defensive player of the year, you know, the whole nine, because everybody does those. Nobody cares. We all know offensive player of the year. Who you, who you give, who would you give that to? Would you give it to Najee? Oh man. Or would you give it to James Daniels? I'm giving it to James Daniels. Maybe Mason Cole. Yeah. It to me, it's between it's between Najee for what he did in the second half of the season or James Daniels. I'd probably lean Daniels just because I feel like he was the most consistent offensive player throughout the course of the season. Yeah, and uh, that would probably be my reasoning there. I don't, you know, the Steelers' offense like there's obviously not a ton of just big big names there, but uh, you know, Deontay had a decent season. George was really good for a rookie. Yeah, um, he's good for I, another another name that I wanted. To, I would have definitely given it to probably would be Fryermuth, but he was really quiet over the back yeah. like month last month of the season. And that was because, you know, he wasn't healthy. So um, he was dealing with that foot issue. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of good um, a lot of good names to go to. But I, I would say that I'd probably lean towards James Daniels just because the overall level of consistency. Yeah. And the other answers are easy. Minka's winning pretty much everything. So we're, we're going to switch it up. We're going to go who exceeded expectations the most, who has the brightest future heading into 2023. The, the guy, the Steelers must resign the guy, the Steelers must replace. And then we'll go team MVP, not named Minka Fitzpatrick, which I am actually very excited for. All right, let's start it off here. Exceeded expectations the most. Who you got? Doesn't matter what side of the ball. Hmm. I might have to think about that. <laughs> he says as if he didn't have, didn't know we were talking about this coming into the show. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, 
I didn't have very high expectations for Mason Cole, and he played better over the first half, like especially over the first half of the season. I thought he was really solid. Um, but but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Fryermuth. I think. Oh, okay. Just as as a receiver, um, I, I thought he took a leap this year in terms of like creating more sp- splash plays. I, I I thought that he was really key for them uh, until like he really started getting hampered with that injury. So um, Fryermuth, I, I I will I will say probably the player that I was most surprised by though, and this again is just probably an expectations thing is um, Spillane. I, we we gave him a Ooh, lot Spillane's of Spillane's a good one. We gave him a lot of crap um, over the course of the season, and he played good football over the last like five, mm-hmm. six weeks. And I thought that, um, regardless of like our opinions of him, like as a starter or anything else, I would be really surprised if he wasn't one of the two starters at inside linebacker next year. That's just my opinion, um, but I, I think that that's um, that's where I would go um, if I had to go somewhere defense. But you know, Fryermuth, um, Spillane, two guys that I thought you know had really good seasons. Um, I, I know a lot of people in the chat saying like Cam Sutton, Terrell. No, Evans. I had high expectation we, for Cam. He yeah, matched I mean, all expectations. We've been I we've had. been talking about those guys as good players and contributors. I think that um for a while now. So yeah, I, I think Sutton don't. had a really good season. Uh, if if just to segment this into who the Steelers need to bring back, Sutton is the guy that I'm going to go with for that. <laughs> um, the inside outside versatility um really just a calming presence um in the secondary i i would love to see them um i I would absolutely love to see them bring bring sutton back um yeah so everybody who you know i get that everybody else in the in the realm of the pittsburgh steelers maybe has not talked highly about cam sutton we've been pounding the cam sutton table for two years now two strong years of cam sutton and we have never said a negative thing about him so that's no cam sutton had all the expectations um, for me, I guess I'll go one on each side of the ball as well here. My offensive guy is an easy one. A guy I had literally zero expectations for coming into the season. Zero. Not even one. Wasn't even a thought in the mind. Came through, finished the season, rushed for one touchdown, 21 yards, and averaged 2.3 yards a game, uh, an attempt. And that's my boy, Derek Watt. Because not only did the Steelers find themselves a fullback, who doesn't really play fullback, but comes in and you know gets those one yard gains when need be? I'm gonna I'm gonna change my pick. <laughs> I'm changing my pick, Jalen Warren. That, that's, Jalen that's my Warren. pick. Yeah, I, I liked when they when they signed Jalen Warren um, as an undrafted free agent. I was very very intrigued by him, and I think I after I wrote up some stuff for the site, I think that I said that I was gonna. I was going to feel pretty good about him, like knocking somebody off the roster, the 53 man. Um, but I didn't expect this. Like Jalen Warren was a solid RB two, And just in yeah. general, um, a smaller guy like that, who really impressed me a ton and pass pro dude, there's nothing, there's nothing better than like when I would go um, and do like my film reviews for the offense on Mondays after the tape comes out. And it's like watching Jalen Warren just absolutely stonewall people in the a gap. I just, I love it, man. That, that type of stuff, the little stuff like that, like running backs and pass protection. um, I just get really excited about that stuff. So Warren, uh, he would be, he he would be kind of my, my guy for that, for that answer. I'm changing my, changing Jalen's a good one. Jalen's, I think Jalen's better than Pat. I would, I would give you Jalen over. Friar Muth. I'm still sticking with Derek Watt. The dude that nobody saw anything coming. He became the most 
natural one-yard runner in football, hands down. Actually has a place on defense. For the first time in his three-year career in Pittsburgh, has actually shown that he's worth $3 million. And he's not worth $3 million. But, I mean, he did way more than he did the two seasons beforehand, so I'm all about it. I'm going Derek Watt. And then on the defensive side of the ball, that's that's a tough one. That is certainly a tough one. Um, I don't know. I, I might go... I think I'm going to go Alex Highsmith because even if he had a huge year, I didn't see him having a huge year. Like I just saw him having a good year, five to, you know, maybe seven sacks, keep himself in there, still be a good linebacker to, you know, opposite of TJ Watt right now, the way I sit it, it's like people who make an argument that Alex Highsmith shouldn't be paid. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't be paid in Pittsburgh because they're paying too many guys. Alex Highsmith deserves to go get the bag somewhere and, turn his career into whatever he wants. And I fully expect Alex Highsmith to be a very good linebacker because it wasn't a Bud Dupree. I think people compared him to Bud Dupree and say, oh, well, you know, you you never know. You pay these guys and they don't turn out like Bud Dupree. No, Bud Dupree didn't pan out until his last season. It might have been a system thing. It might have been a TJ Watt thing. Alex Highsmith did this without TJ Watt. Huge expectations. I'm going to give my defensive guy to Alex Highsmith. I like the Jalen Warren one. I've been excited all day to talk about Derek Watt. All right. <laughs> Brightest future leaving the season. This easy for me. It's George Pickens. I mean, this is, I mean, we're, I mean, what are we even talking about here? I think this is a no brainer. I really do think uh, the sky's the limit for Pickens. His wide receiver one potential. I already think he's a solid wide receiver too. Um, I am incredibly excited to see like what this off season is going to be for him. Uh, as he continues to like refine his game, um, I'm excited to see like where his role changes next year. I want to see them get him more involved uh, beyond just go routes and back shoulder fades. Like he can definitely do those things, and I want them to continue to uh, spam those. But when when I just think about um, just future, I, I'm incredibly 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 um excited about pickens he was a guy that i really liked through the draft process was super excited that he ended up in pittsburgh and um yeah uh, i'm really excited about what he could potentially become um hopefully in a more sufficient offensive uh system too yeah yeah pickens is the easy answer i'll go away from pickens just because i'll let you take pickens but pickens is the consensus that's where my vote is obviously i'm gonna go uh brightest future man uh, that's tough it, it honestly it might be james daniels in pittsburgh because the steelers haven't had a solidified offensive lineman in a couple of years now he kind of seems like that guy he's only what 24 years old maybe just turned 25 dude's got a long career ahead of him the steelers are dying to have an offensive line that they could just keep together for the next 10 years and i think he's the cornerstone of that obviously you know George Pickens is going to make more pro bowls and earn more awards and you know win a lot of people fantasy games but James Daniels is going to be the heart and soul of that team so I'm about that I think uh um I think uh Pat Fryermuth should be on that list too because I think Pat showed a lot this season and I don't think he did nearly as much as what he'll do in a good offense you know you put him in a good offensive system I think he's going to be a phenomenal wide receiver. Yeah, I got I got one more George Pickens stat that I found um, a couple of days ago that I tweeted out that I just really like. 
Uh, there were 59 wide receivers this season who had six or 70 targets. Uh, Pickens was first in contested catch rate. He caught it 67.9% of his contested catch opportunities. Um, and nine of those catches were 20 yards down the field. And that was tied for the most in the NFL. <laughs> so you look at like what he's Dude's already nuts. doing, um, what he's already doing for the offense um, combined with just, I got, I want to also point out, um, George Pickens is 21. He doesn't turn 21 20. years old. He doesn't Dude turn 22. He doesn't turn 22 for like a couple more weeks. So um, there are, th- th- there's a lot of upside here. And I just think George, like when I think about upside, um, you know, guys that dominate early on in college, like George was like a 700, 800 yard college receiver in a very, very run heavy offense yeah. in the SEC. And he was doing that at 19 years old, uh, like 18, 19 years old. He comes into the NFL, 21 years old, years old, catches, you know, he's probably a top five contested catch receiver uh, over the course of his rookie season. I I am very, very excited about um, his potential. I really do think he could be a wide receiver one. And when you get that type of player, um, you know, middle of the second round, that's huge dub. Huge dub. Yeah. George Pickens is easily the steal of the draft in 2022 by bar none. Like it's not even, it's not even close with almost 365 days removed. All right. You just said the guy that they must resign. You saying Cam Sutton. Um, I'm going to say it's Terrell Edmonds. I'm going to go Terrell Edmonds. I, I think both of them are hand in hand though. Like those are like, if you are putting a priority list together for the Pittsburgh Steelers off season, it is one a Cam Sutton, one B Terrell Edmonds, bring them back. I don't care what you got to do. Cam Sutton is a starter on the outside. He's a starter on the inside. He is as good as a CB2 as it possibly gets, I think, in the AFC. Terrell Edmonds works perfectly with Minka. The way he evolves every season, totally fine. I think I think both of them are no-brainers. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, Sutton, Edmonds, KZ, I, I think those three guys, like, are going to be guys that the Steelers are going to try to retain. Yeah. Um, it just may come down to, like, do one of those guys want to pursue a little bit more money? Do they want to pursue bigger roles on other teams? You know, specifically, I wonder about KZ because I I just um, – the safety market in the free agency is always weird. Dude, it's um, terrible. And Everybody I definitely says think, that all the time. Yeah. Like, Edmonds is going to go get the bag. It's like, dude, it's safeties weird. don't go get the bag. They just don't. Yeah, but I think that those three safety sets allow Aminka to kind of roam, roam around a little bit and sub packages on third downs and stuff like that. Um, I think that they're going to try to bring back both of the safeties. We'll see if that happens. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I would love to get, you know, Sutton back and then you can roll it back. Like you can run it back with this secondary as long as you still prioritize corner in the draft. I want to make yeah, that very clear. I am fine with this secondary running it back even if um, I don't think they match up like well with like the the Cincinnati's of the world. Um, But you can do that and invest like one of those top three picks at corner and bring a rookie along and, you know, play him a little bit in the sub packages um, and the nickel dime, whatever, and develop them. Um, That way you don't have to throw them right to the fire because corners, corners, a tough position to play as a rookie, man. Like what sauce Gardner, what sauce Gardner did this year incredibly impressive uh shout out to him uh that was a hell of a rookie season and that just doesn't happen very often because that's one of the hardest transitions to make from college to the nfl especially in the afc north when you're going to face the cincinnati Bengals and the cleveland Browns twice a year just not 
it's not a prime position to just toss a guy out there. Plus, I think Levi Wallace played fine. I think you take him back next year and you yeah, feel comfortable fun. about him and you see what happens with Akello and William Jackson. You move on from there. Um, next, the guy that the Steelers need to replace. This could be a guy who's a free agent or a guy who is on the team that you think very strongly needs to be gone or not even gone, but you need an upgrade. Hmm. I think I think we could go a, a lot of different ways here. Um, okay. Just because I think it fits the the needs of the offseason. I think that defensive tackle, like nose tackle, is non-negotiable. Like I don't Agreed. think you can run. I don't think you can run it back next year with Montrevious Adams, Tyson Alu Alu. I think Alu Alu yeah. will retire. Um, Adams, if you want to bring him back, I'm cool with that. But I just that's the one position where I'm like the starter for next year's team's not on this roster. And yeah. I feel very comfortable about that. Um, Miles Jack, I'm not I'm not crazy about that $13 million cap hit. We'll see what they do with that. Um, you know, I, I I think that that's inside linebacker is another position where you could look at that the day one starter for, you know, that spot might not be on the roster either. And then we've, you know, we know that they probably need to upgrade either left guard or left tackle. So those two spots are going to be positions where I think the Steelers could upgrade. One of those guys may be back um, at their spot between Dotson and Moore. Um, the other one will probably be back, but as a depth player, and they try to upgrade over those guys. Um, see people saying Devin Bush in the chat. I mean, Bush was benched towards the end of the year, so they were playing a seventh round rookie over him. Devin is <laughs> they not did that anyways. Back. Yeah, they did yeah, that yeah, themselves. yeah. I don't have to worry. Yeah, don't have to worry about that. Devin, Devin's, Devin's going to be gone. Uh, best wishes to him elsewhere. And I think like a yeah. change of scenery, a change of scenery will be. Um, it's just what he needs. It's what the team needs. This is a fresh break. Um, sometimes when draft picks just don't work out, um, it's best to just cut ties and, you know, hopefully things work out for both sides moving forward. And that's how yeah. I feel about that situation. Yeah. You should never feel poorly about somebody else who's gone somewhere else and succeeding. That's that they work very hard to yeah, get where they are. To best of luck. Um, I agree with you. I think it's got to be one side of the left side of the offensive line it's got to be one of the two like you can't walk into 2023 and say this is our offensive line however i feel better about that if that's their decision than if they walked in and didn't do anything at all on the defensive line i i'm i'm we've talked about the defensive line like four times in this episode it cannot be pounded hard enough how badly they need to upgrade this defensive line there's just no way like you can't walk into next season and say just like you said monty adams is a great depth piece not a starter Tyson Alualu's got to retire. I think that's pretty evident. DeMarvin Leal is a giant question mark on what the future holds for this guy. And Isaiah Loudermilk was very unimpressive this season. You're just stuck with Cam. You got to upgrade. Like you have to. I don't care what position it is. You got to pick one of them and just say, okay, this is our guy that we're going to go spend a boatload of money or, or not even a boatload of money, but we're going to go, we're going to go make an investment and send somebody out there that we are confident is going to upgrade this line. Have to. Have to. Yeah. And if that's Larry Ogan Joby, that's cool. Then you got to upgrade nose. But it's got to be, it's got to be one of the two, 100%. You're laughing at something. I'm guessing it was in the chat. Some, uh, I was laughing at my guy, my guy Carl. He says, still have hopes for JJ, Q, Vin, Diz- Vin Diesel, voice family. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Uh, major props to, major props to that comment. Um, I definitely, man, I, I, shout out JJ Watt too. Like that, the season oh, that he geez. had, uh, to finish his career, man, was so. You don't do impressive. that. You I just mean, don't do that in the. NFL. But that's that's what that's what JJ Watt um, 
that's what he's been, man. Like before those injuries started kicking in, I mean, he was this generation's like Reggie White. I mean, I mean, there is no, uh, there's no doubt about it that he's a guy who you just we don't even need to have that. When the when the beat writers get into the room to discuss the Hall of Fame class five years from now, um, JJ Watts like. Pitch, oh, he's not even his pitch should be about 10 <laughs> seconds long like sure it's jj watt put him in like we don't yeah. we don't even need to discuss uh, no they walk know, in there uh, and it's just like all right we have four guys because jj's already in the hall yes we just need to sharpie <laughs> sharpie him in <laughs> yeah we all right somebody check this box that one's for jj thanks yeah 100 the dude is one of the great it's like so crazy that you know i tell because i'm the oldest brother and I got two younger brothers and I, they're not super into football, but sometimes they'll like try to get into football mm. and like, I'll try to tell them about guys and like, they know who JJ Watt is, but like, sometimes I'm like, dude, you don't know who JJ Watt is. Like you didn't realize how crazy JJ Watt was. Like there was a time where it was just JJ Watt. Like JJ Watt was just, he was all the highlights of the Houston Texans for like three years. And it was, it was pretty nuts. It was pretty nuts. So shout out JJ Watt a hundred percent. Um, Last one here, and JJ's definitely won a couple of these awards. Team MVP, not named Minka Fitzpatrick. Oh, man. I, I, I got to go with Cam Hayward. I mean, I would have said Alex oh. Highsmith until like the last month of the season, but I just think that um, what Hayward did over the last month of the season to help that defense, you know, really turn around. And, you know, the defense is playing great. Like, not – not good ball, great ball to finish the year. And, uh, you know, I, I understand that they were playing a bunch of bad quarterbacks. And sometimes that's just how the schedule rolls. But, um, you know, I, I think Hayward was, deserved that for sure. Um, I mentioned the stat, you know, they're, you know, a bottom 10 defense without him on the field. And, you know, they're top top three, top four uh, with him on the field. So um, Cam would be the guy for me in terms of, like, team MVP. But Minka, to me, bar none – the Steelers' best oh, yeah. player this year, incredibly consistent, one of the best uh, defensive backs in the NFL that I saw this year, um, closing games out, you know, just very few uh, mental lapses, big plays over the top after we got past, like, you know, the Buffalo and Philly games, which were complete debacles. But, um, you know, I thought he played extremely well. Um, Minka's on a Hall of Fame type of trajectory, and Steelers fans should be very, very blessed that they get to watch him for the next, you know, hopefully – five, six, seven, eight years, um, as long as he continues to stay healthy. So yeah, a hundred percent Minka is the guy. He was the guy all season. I was actually very thankful that like, I, you know, I wasn't thankful that TJ walk got hurt, but I was thankful that Minka got to be recognized this season for how good he was, yeah, he you know, like, it. cause he deserves it, but he's deserved it the last couple of years to be recognized this highly. And I think it's, you know, it's like always like one B or like two, it's like a Batman and Robin. It's really a Batman and a Batman. Like, Minka is as much of a life force to that defense as anybody. Um, so I, I was, I was happy to see him get that. Uh, my team MVP, I'm going the same route as you. Like you, you said the last month of the season. And I think that's all that counts for the Steelers is when they turned it around, who stepped up and who helped to this turnaround. And I'm going to give it to Najee Harris. I think that, you know, you're going to look at the offense and Kenny won a couple of those games, a hundred percent, but Najee put that offense on his back and said, Hey, look at, and, and the offensive line, like I'd give it to the offensive line as a whole and feel good about that one too but I think that group that running game was just you didn't you didn't see anybody who played harder than Najee Harris the last six weeks of the season you didn't see anybody who put his head down and was willing to turn the season around and 
constantly look at the face of adversity and just say, whatever, man, I'm just going to keep grinding. You know, you, you get a lot of drama when things are down and bad in the NFL. And when the Steelers were down and bad, Najee Harris, who is the face of the media when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, like there is in Najee Harris talks, there's a clip of it somewhere. He stood up there and just kept saying, look, man, we're going to get better. We're going to keep working. We got to take accountabilities on us, blah, blah, blah. And then he put his head down and he was the first one to show that. And I think that was huge. So I'm going to give it to Najee. I feel good about Najee. Um, I think the future is really bright at that running back position. Very excited about that. Do you know Jalen Warren's on a three-year deal, which is good. Anthony McFarlane came back. Master Teague came back. Do you expect Master Teague to overtake Anthony McFarlane? Do you think Anthony McFarlane's going to get his shot as an RB3 this year? I think the RB3 will come down to whichever running back plays well in special teams in the preseason. Yeah, I so think it's going to be Master Teague, huh? Yeah, I mean, I think it just – or it could be an undrafted free agent. I mean, oh, it I could don't be an count, undrafted. I don't want to count that out either. I mean, the Steelers uh, could go get a guy that comes in and just takes takes that role kind of like Warren did this year. So um that I think the RB1 RB2 um spots are taken care of, especially um I probably it's going to take a lot out of me not to watch too too many running backs out of this class cuz this running back class for the NFL draft is fantastic. It's really really What if they just good. shocked the world and went and got Robinson? <laughs> I don't <laughs> I, I don't know where Robinson going to go. I I have a what I have a team. Have oh, Bijan he yeah. gonna go. He going first round. He going top twenty, hundred percent. He probably gonna go top. I think he might even go like top fifteen, top top ten. Bijan's special man. He's a, he's a special cat. I, I don't. <laughs> I, I I was very. I am very much an advocate for not taking running backs in round yeah. one. Bijan is the exception to the rule. Yeah, you like saying that with a smile. You're just like, if I was a GM, I'm taking him. Dog. I, <laughs> you don't ever feel great about taking a back in round one, but that dude's he's special. The, I mean. Watching him is unbelievable, and um, the thing that sticks out about Bijan for me is um, the creativity, the short area, just burst and change of direction ability, the creativity as a runner, and the fact that he can legitimately be a slot receiver if you need him to because he has good hands, he can run routes. Um, there's just there's not really anything that I have concerns about. If 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 I was to bet on like one person in this draft class um, to be a um, you know to turn into like an all pro caliber player, I think I have to go with Bijan. Like it would. Wow. I, I really think that that's the guy that I would bet on being that type of player. The only thing I want to see Bijan, and this is gonna be a hot take, but um, this I want to see been a hot take. I want to see him in Atlanta. I, what? I, it, Atlanta does some crazy stuff um, in the first round. They took Kyle Pitts. They took Drake London. That is true. That is true. They do need and a I running back. And t- well, Tyler Al- Algar had a thousand yards this season, but Atlanta's offensive line got some maulers on it. Chris Lindstrom played at an all pro level this year. Yeah. Arthur Smith in that wide zone, outside zone scheme. I think that he, like him getting his version of Derrick Henry, 21 years old. You got Algar there, so you don't have to run the wheels off of him. Um, I think I think that would be a great fit. Where I do worry about Bijan ending up would be like Baltimore would be worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah, I was um, say, the AFC North, it's yeah. AFC but North. I, I think I think another team that he would make just an, like absolutely unstoppable on offense would be Philly. 
That's my second favorite. Oh Atlanta my spot. gosh, Philly and Atlanta would be so fun. Philly. Plus, has you two still got Miles picks. Sanders, who just ran for a thousand yards. Well, he he's a free agent, so that's the th- that's why I'm thinking. Oh, he's and already Philly, four years in the league. Yeah, Philly wow. doesn't prioritize the running back position that early in the draft, but uh, you yeah. Think but what about else do what they hurts. need? Yeah, they, well, they've got two first round picks too, so you got a little bit of a luxury there. Um, you think about Hurts, him as like a force multiplier in the run game. You get Bijan. Um, that offensive line, which just mauls the hell out of people. Yep. You got two, you got two alpha receivers and AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, you know, top five, top 10 receiving tight end. I mean, Philly would be an absolute wagon. Um, yeah. I, I want to see it just from a, just from an entertainment standpoint. Yeah. I mean, it There's doesn't matter to me. Like you, if you're, if you're a Steelers fan, you face them once a year and it'll be in the Super Bowl. So like, <laughs> it's like, oh man, rough. Like that would be, that'd be a good one. I'm excited yeah. to see. I didn't realize he was that high on your board. So. We'll see. Oh, yeah. I, I thought I'd get you with the whole like, oh, maybe in the second round. I don't know. No, he'll be long gone. Next is who, yeah. who got who's the highest running back to ever get taken? No, there's definitely been once, but Saquon's yeah, the latest to go top ten, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, because he yeah he new. he's he's Saquon level special though. I mean he he is. I, I think okay. Saquon has better like long speed, but there are things that I like better about Bijan's game. Wow. Wow. All right. We'll end it off with a banger there. I don't know if that's too much of a hot take, but that whole thing was was a hot take. So I'm excited about it. Yeah. All right, guys. We're heading out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash All Steelers Talk. Check us out anywhere you get your podcast. Check out the NFL, our Steelers Draft Talk podcast every Thursday on allsteelers.com, on the YouTube page, and on anywhere you get your podcast as well. Derek scouting reports have already dropped more drop Monday. Check all our work out at allsteelers.com. I think I got it all covered. Enjoy your weekend. Super wild cards here. Peace. Peace.